Welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're family lawyers helping you navigate the six Divorced and Done steps to move through your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. And everything we talk about in this podcast is not legal information, or excuse me, legal opinion or legal advice of any kind, but of course, it is information. And on this Wednesday morning, Darren Schmidt, how are you doing? I am all right. Last episode, we did um, a little bit of a dive into delay on files. Do you remember that? Sure do. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, I had, I, I think before we leap into this, I just, I had some thoughts about that and it comes on the heels of listening to another piece of content. I think I sent this to you, the uh, Canada Land podcast that came out on Valentine's Day. Will you be my ex? Did I send this to you? I don't think you did. Oh, okay. Whatever. I'm going to go off. Just so anyone that knows Canada Land is a pretty cool media company here in Canada. They produce podcasts. Jesse Brown is the sort of head of the organization. They've done deep dives into the We Charity and the Thunder Bay Police and all sorts of stuff. If you're interested in sort of micro level journalism in Canada, these guys are pretty good. And on Valentine's Day, they released an episode called Will You Be My Ex? Now, as a total aside, you're giving us your attention, which is all we could ever ask for. Um, Jump to this podcast from Canada Land after our podcast, if you want. But nonetheless, (laughs) it's a great listen. Um, And I would say I would encourage anyone that listens to the Canada Land podcast uh, that came out on Valentine's Day to give us feedback on what they thought about the episode on our Gmail account. But the episode goes into a couple stories from people that have had recent involvement in Canada's divorce system. And it talks a little bit about what's broken in the divorce system. And and the main theme was delay. Like that was the overarching theme of the podcast. Everyone impacted Everyone that was going through a family law case, every lawyer that was interviewed as part of the podcast, everyone just complained about systemic delay. And it got me kind of thinking about our episode last week where we did an, a show on delay. And I think I, th- I, I think I sort of glossed over this and I think we could all just do better. I think after listening to this, I just realized as someone in part of the system, lawyers could just do better at moving things faster at having more efficient systems, having more efficient processes, at telling people that are going to become our clients, these are the things I need from you. These are deliverables, um, keeping people better informed, uh, keeping people better informed about billing. There was a story on this podcast about a lady that has diagnosed PTSD from the emails to and from her lawyer as part of her divorce because she realized every email I'm getting billed for and every email I send, I'm getting billed for every phone call I'm getting billed for. And it traumatized her. And that got, I mean, that, that just took me aback. It got me really thinking about what we do as lawyers, how we could all be better in the system. Things in the podcast, I would say that were not addressed that probably should be addressed. So one of the stories from uh, one of the people on the interview was Basically, everything was going great till I involved a lawyer. Everything was going wonderful. I had 
um, an agreement with my ex and we're, we're intelligent people. I think this guy was a law professor even. And he's like, look, me and my ex, we had this deal. Once we both got lawyers, this thing went off the rails. That's further to what you said last week, Rob. You get two cooks in the kitchen, pretty tough to make a meal. You get four cooks in the kitchen. So you add two more lawyers to the picture and it can be really difficult. And that's exactly what this guy said. And it got me thinking about, for instance, independent legal advice. And people come to us and say, I need independent legal advice on this agreement. But they, they want the agreement as is, but they think, I need a lawyer to give me independent legal advice on this. And I looked at the BC Law Society uh, checklists today for lawyers giving ILA. There is so many items that we are supposed to go through with clients just to give them ILA that are imposed upon us by the Law Society. And this is not a slight to the Law Society, but... I think part of the delay and part of the reason for the delay and part of the complications here are the liability issues for lawyers. That's what I'm getting at. I think 40 years ago, files were a lot thinner at law offices. I think 40 years ago, reported decisions from courts, be it the Supreme Court or superior level courts across Canada, were much shorter. They were not 400 paragraph decisions. Things were a lot less complex. Lawyers weren't facing the same level of complaints that the public now bring to the law societies. Lawyers have to paper their files to protect themselves from liability issues. That was not discussed in the Canada Land podcast. And I think it's a really important consideration for anyone listening to that, maybe listening to our last episode, considering all of these issues. One big reason for delay, this is just my view, is because there is such risk to lawyers for um, not papering files, uh, not going through things thoroughly enough with their clients, um, things of that nature, which just takes time. Um, so all told, there's lots of ways we can improve the system. Uh, delay is a big problem. Having files sitting around for three years before anything substantive happens or any financial disclosures exchanged, a year goes by and nothing's happening. Uh, we could all do better. Good thoughts. And that sounds like an interesting lesson. I think about on your comments about independent legal advice, anytime I sign an agreement with anybody, that separation agreement, which is generally where we as family lawyers are giving that ILA, I always say, yep, we're going to go through this agreement. It's usually on average 25 to 30 pages. And there's about seven or eight big junctures where I'm going to ask you in different words, are you sure you want this deal? Are you sure you want this deal? Are you sure you want to agree to this? And the question I often get is, why are we going through this so many times? But really, that's the process of independent legal advice. That's the process of all the document management that we now do saying, are you sure? And maybe that is the bridge. Between 40 years ago, as you say, Darren, when the file was a lot thinner, you'd be meeting with your lawyer in person. Maybe you'd be talking on the phone. Whereas now, uh, for that woman that has PSD, PTSD, excuse me, we're banging off emails to lawyers or clients like their text messages. Unfortunately, too many clients where those emails are one or two sentences. Uh, can you clarify this? Can you clarify that? And it's rapid fire communication, which... I think, yes, extends the amount of material in the file. And folks want, unfortunately, instant answers to instant problems, which 
put stress on us as lawyers, but also stress on clients. I emailed my lawyer. Why haven't I heard from him or her? It's been half a day. Why haven't I heard from him or her? I think about a conversation I had with a senior lawyer who was practicing, would have started practicing in the early 80s. And I asked him once, I said, how is this really different the way we do family law now versus 40 years ago, as you say? And he said, there was more time for thinking and there was more time for being productive because you'd generally correspondence with other lawyers because we didn't really, well, we didn't have email. Fax was starting to be used, but in the 80s, it wasn't what it was in the 90s. So the notion was you'd write a letter, you'd send a letter, a letter would be long, dealing with a lot of issues to another lawyer, and then that letter would sit there. And you'd wait two weeks for a response so you could put the file away for two weeks. And when you did take it and when you did look at it, it was maybe more deep thinking because we were dealing with all of the issues through long-form correspondence, which is exchanged with the other lawyer, as opposed to more rapid-fire, instantaneous sorts of things that we do now that lead itself or lends itself, excuse me, to perhaps more voluminous conversation and a lot more back and forth, but a lot less thinking. And it's more just instantaneous reaction. And uh, what are we doing today? Let alone, well, let's follow up on that really long letter we sent two weeks ago. We didn't intend to have this discussion, but let's keep this going a little bit. So um, the, the other issue I think people are not thinking about when they're thinking about delay is what's going on with the lawyer? So lawyers are not immune from having problems in their life, professional life or other things. They obviously have a duty to advance their client's file. Um, But one thing, Rob, you and I have talked about extensively is the toll this type of work takes on us as people. The notion of coming into your office from 8.30 to 5 every day and being productive throughout the course of that day in the face of uh, just today. Just as an example, I got an email from a client who received a text message from her adult son um, and and the substantive legal matters involving my client and her former husband. They're both older now, well into their 50s. And it's about spousal support. The other side wants to terminate spousal support. And the adult son here has aligned himself with uh, the father, the opposing party on my file. And so over the weekend, he took it upon himself to email his mother, my client, informing her that uh, she is not to have any more communications with him, that she's ruined his life by extension of ruining his father's life. It was um, it, it was full of expletives. Uh, and look, for me to say that upon reading that, that had That's no impact sad. on me. It, look, that's the core of it. Is it's it tragic. sad? Yeah. So then, you know, I'm I, I'm not mired in it myself. It's not a communication to me. But now what do I do with this? So the client sends it to me and goes, just so you're aware. Like it was just like, just so you're aware my son sent this. This is happening. Yeah. So then it begs the question, well, obviously it's impacting her. What do you want me to do with this? Like the other lawyer doesn't represent the adult son. What happened is I forwarded this and just told the other lawyer, look, I know you don't represent the son, but... If you can do anything with your client to try and stymie this sort of communication or stop it moving forward, that would be much appreciated. But to think that's one portion of my eight, nine hour day, like how many of those can you do in eight hours? 
How many of those can you do five days in a row? How many contested hearings where people are yelling and screaming outside the courthouse? Because I've seen that. How long does this take to compound in a lawyer to the point where it's affecting them? And, 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 and by extension, it has an effect on their practice, right? That, I mean, that's a real consideration here. And, and Rob, like you and I both go through rough times. It's great. We're, we're able to jump on the phone and help each other, but th- these are real problems. They are. And we know far too many lawyers who have substance abuse problems, uh, very serious mental health problems. You and I, and I, no problem as you alluded to it, candidly sharing, we have gone through bouts of, I think, depression, yeah. not, you know, deathly terrible depression, but we do have down days in dealing with this because this, we're, we're not automatons. We're not robots. Uh, thankfully, there are resources for us as lawyers to help navigate these pieces. But unlike, being a mechanic, being a dentist, my tooth hurts, please fix it. My car doesn't work. Can you do the oil change? And things where there's a finite start, a clear start, a clear ending, job done, job completed. When we're dealing with people exactly as we are, adult son saying, mom, never, I never want to hear from you again. I never want to talk to you again. And here's some colorful language where I, this is what I really think about you, where otherwise there's a presumptively valid spousal support claim that is none of the son's business. Yeah, that's going to take a toll on us, and that's really hard. And I think the bright spots for you and I are where we have clients who do appreciate all that we do, and I think to some degree understand we're not robots. And people, as silly as it sounds, that say thank you so much for all that you're doing. I think of one file in particular that I had, a few files, but one file in particular. And this woman, no matter what we were dealing with on her file, whether I had good news for her, bad news, it was usually okay. We had a little bit of litigation, but I remember every time I talked to her on the phone, she'd always end each phone call with, has anyone told you how wonderful you are today? Oh, that's great. And half the time I wasn't giving her good news and I didn't feel wonderful. You know, now that I say this and you sort of chuckle, I go, holy smokes, maybe she was blowing smoke and she was really angry. No. Has anyone told you how wonderful you are today? Like, uh, who's the guy from Dragon's Den, Mr. Wonderful? No, I... Oh, Kevin O'Leary. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, there we go. But I think no, that, she, uh, she did say it sincerely and I did really appreciate it. Anyway, I, I think of the other complexity that lawyers face, particularly in our field, is we balance both a solicitor's practice and a yes. litigator's practice. Yes. So we're doing both agreements for clients on the backside. Like we're not going to court. And, and Rob, I'm proud to say you and I don't, either of us are not frequently in court. And we view that as a hallmark of being good lawyers, right? Keeping people away from that dispute resolution avenue. We measure our worth not in battles won, but matters resolved. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what people want. And that's, that yeah. was clear from this uh, Canada Land podcast as well. But the, I mean, the other really difficult thing about our job that impacts us and it impacts litigants is how ineffective many of us feel our court system is for many different reasons. And it's not any individual judge. It's not the folks running the courthouse, the bureaucracy, it's none of that. It's its all of it combined. And one big problem I've found is, uh, it, it's a personal one. You go to court 
on an application and you get a judge that's temperamental and doesn't conduct the courtroom with an air of respect. What comes to mind, there's there's this viral judge. Uh, you probably have seen the videos, Robert. At least some of our listeners have. He seems like a kindly older gentleman, like quite quite a bit older, somewhere out of the Northeast, out of the U.S. And he, he re- appears to run like a traffic court. And yes, seems I've seen that gentleman. Yep. How are you? What are you doing? And he seems like yes. he gives everyone sort of as much time as they need. And it's this holistic experience. And everyone walks away feeling like this was a wonderful experience. I've never seen that. I've never seen that type of experience in any court I've been to. That's not to denounce any one judge or any judge I've appeared in front of. But I have seen my fair share of chambers, docket days, whatever you want to call it, where there's a list, there's multiple lawyers in the court, and the judge is snappy at the lawyers or even yells at the lawyer. And the lawyer may have done something incorrect, but where else do we tolerate that now in 2022 the notion of people getting snappy a culture of conflict a culture of almost disrespect i don't think you see that in many professional contexts anywhere that's tolerated i mean it happens but it's quite tolerated in courtrooms the notion of let's get into it and and have an argument and let's make the lawyer look silly in front of their client and maybe the lawyer did make a mistake and and that's and yet, problematic. You can't go to the clerk's ticket or the clerk desk outside the courtroom to file something. And as is standard in so many government buildings, see a sign that says abuse will not be tolerated. We reserve the right to deny service to anyone on grounds of behavior. But at the same time, you walk into the courtroom sometime and <laughs> it's, bring your gladiator yeah. stick. Holy smokes! I have particularly early in my career some of the courtrooms I went into and the the experiences I had at a, on a personal level with some judges was extraordinary. And I think it was even more extraordinary back. I remember I've had senior lawyers uh, say- I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. We, we know what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Let's let the, the judge would eat them out. The judge would- yep sometimes spin their chair like they wouldn't even look at the a lawyer while they're making their argument they'd spin in their chair they'd intentionally look like they were trying to fall asleep while the lawyer was trying to make an argument um i i don't think that's theatrics that are just not helpful theatrics that are not helpful and that speaks to why you want to keep your your matter out of court and and we do want to do that but that's not helpful and that doesn't make you feel better and that doesn't make you want to come in and give another eight hours the next day and go that water off a duck's back new day new darren like it's like that was a really terrible experience it's exhausting yes i was uh recently listening to well not that we're a religious podcast but i will i will go down this bent bobby shuler who is Robert Schuler's grandson, who took over the Crystal Cathedral. Yes. And if anyone listening is aware, the Crystal Cathedral, of course, was the American um, weekly religious program, Hour of Power, that used to be on regular Canadian cable TV every Sunday for a really long time until the Crystal Cathedral went bankrupt in 2010. And that whole ministry collapsed and Robert Schuler Sr. died. The whole family had major problems and the grandson came in. Grandson was actually a child of divorce, Bobby Schuler, so not raised in that ministry and not part of it, but also a minister. And he recently talked about the process of 
taking over that ministry. And he's, I think he just turned 40. So he was talking about being middle age and he's been there now 10 years and talked about the first five years navigating a bankruptcy, navigating the anger of all of that and dealing with everyone's anger and wanting to quit all the time. And it was so good to hear that. He said, yeah, you keep going and you get to the end. And the the notion was things do get better. But thinking about our work particularly, you have to find those bright linings, those bright spots as we do in helping people move through. Um, Coming back to your main point, because I used to like to joke early in my career, I get divorced every day. But we are not automatons. We are not immune to the process. Yes, we have to keep going, but it's not water off a duck's back. No, I think the core for everyone, as we've said throughout, particularly when thinking about picking a lawyer, knowing this is stressful, not only for you as a litigant, but it's stressful for us as lawyers, even though we do this all the time. And of course, it gets easier the more we do it. But finding a lawyer you like working with, someone who you respect, Uh, who you appreciate their opinion, especially if you're not winning the whole time and don't expect to win every application and win every step step of the file. But find a lawyer you like working with. Understand that person will not always be uh, fight, fight, fight. Let's go all the time. Let's amp up. Let's take this to them. But for someone to be more solution-oriented, resolution-oriented, understanding that will take time to review your information and to take you through that process, whether it's the divorced and done steps or something else that someone else has told you, uh, those respect pieces more than anything, I think is the key piece for you of today, Darren, our paramount. Yeah, and and I and I jumped at the start on this Canada Land podcast, and and um, it's evolved into a broader discussion of what are we all doing here? What is this? Yes. How can we move through this? How can we make this not a traumatic experience for anyone involved? How can we make this an effective and efficient process? And there's been so much thought around that, I would argue, but very little action. There's been very little actual action in terms of. Let's make this a better process. So we're doing our little part, and this isn't a sales pitch by any stretch, but we're doing our little part on this podcast to try and help listeners understand the process a little bit better. I think it would be wrong for us to suggest we're we're actually moving people uh, through their own individual process any faster. That depends on them as an individual, their lawyer, all those other circumstances. We're happy to address listener questions. We're happy to uh, work through the, uh, divorced and done steps. That's not an issue. And we love doing all of that, but really all, a lot of this depends on you as an actor in the process. What mindset do you want to have? Do you want to have a mindset of conflict and punishment? Cause that did come out in the Canada land podcast. There were some folks that were interviewed that said, really, they, I, what they were saying is I wish the court had punished my ex for missing deadlines for missing uh, disclosure obligations for not showing up to court for dragging this out. I wish the court had punished them. And and I think we've articulated here, we've articulated on TikTok, elsewhere, this is not a court of punishment. This is, the end goal is getting you divorced. The, the goal is not to punish anyone. It's a procedural court. Where are you stuck? What's the problem? What do you need us to do as the court to intervene to break log jams? 
we're not there to say you were a bad spouse, you were a bad husband, you were a bad parent, whatever. We're just there to say, what more information do you need? What else needs to happen here? That you, everyone can be self-governing again. You were married for 20 years and things sort of worked, whether they were good or not. How can we get you on your feet again and moving forward? That's what lawyers want. That what's, that's what courts want. And you and I have joked before. We've talked to people, met with people that just want fights. And it's rare. It is very rare that we meet litigants, people that are facing a divorce that want to have a fight, that have all the money in the world to throw at it uh, and all the time in the world to throw at it. But I use the colloquialism. I sort of call those people litigation perverts. If there's no real reason for you to be here, you're not really mad at your ex. You just want to fight for the hell of having a fight. Uh, Sorry, I'm not your guy. You're not that person's guy. We're just there to help folks move through, get you well on your way and be divorced and done. Last thing I would add is the, the, one of the messages on the um, Canada land podcast um, and look, if anyone from Canada land is listening, it's unlikely, but um, we, we'd love to come Just a on. bunch of Canadians, no Canada land people. <laughs> I'd, I'd welcome the opportunity to uh, discuss this topic in further depth on their podcast or elsewhere because um, they had Professor Roly Thompson on, who was one of oh, the- Oh, he's um, great. Yeah. he uh, Yeah, he's a powerhouse, obviously, one of the creators yeah, of the Spousal Support- University. Yeah, Spousal Support Advisory Guidelines author. Um and so, so, I mean, they, they had some thinkers on there that were, um, well steeped in a lot of these topics, but the one uh, thing that came up was lawyers are not incentivized to settle files because they're in an, an inherent conflict with their client because extending the file means they can bill more and make more money. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, I I'll speak for myself and Rob, neither of us are rich. Um, when I, when you think of rich, right, you think of luxury car, you think of very large home opulence, um, you have a lot of money for discretionary spending. Neither of us rest in that camp. And I don't know a lot of family lawyers that practice exclusively in family law that are extremely wealthy people. I think it affords you to live a good lifestyle. Um, but we don't make the kind of money that other types of lawyers can make. Like, I, I'm assuming there's uh, lawyers in Bay Street in Toronto that are making money, a lot of money, doing complex corporate transactions or doing uh, complex litigation for corporations. Um, but I think the complex transactions lawyers probably make the most money. I could be wrong. I haven't read any studies on this. It's just my thought. Family lawyers aren't the ones making a ton of money. And so I would, I would push back on any notion that lawyers are out there extending files to make money. I mean, I don't do that. You don't do that. And neither, neither one of us are rolling in, in the dough. That joke that, yeah, uh, yeah, the fight extends and lawyers get rich. I, for you and I, in terms of the product we deliver to our individual clients, there is no greater joy than picking up the phone and saying, your settlement offer was accepted, or they just sent an offer that's pretty good. I can very strongly recommend this, and your matter is finished. That's the joy in getting people done. Because we know people that are done sooner, that are done faster. Yes, your matter will be cheaper. You're likely to be happier, and you're on your way. And yeah, you're going to refer us to your friends. 
as opposed to, geez, yeah, I had this lawyer. We went to the mat all the time. We took every fight to court. Maybe we were successful, maybe we weren't, but I sure loved the fight the whole time. I loved getting those huge litigation bills. That was a dream. Uh, this took way longer than I thought it was going to, <laughs> and it was like I, I have no money left because it wasn't only six times the cost of what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it was more than I could actually afford. So I ended up stiffing my lawyer on the last bill. I feel so good about myself. Said nobody ever. Thanks for uh, listening to Darren rants about other podcast content touching on divorce law. That's kind of the, the theme of today's episode. I think we had something different in mind, but we just sort of rolled with it. So no. I thank you, Rob, for that. Uh, thank you, Darren Schmidt. It is always good to be with you. Of course, if you enjoyed this content, please let us know. Lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. If you did enjoy it or didn't enjoy it, you can also let us know with a voicemail to speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. And as always, we look forward to being with you again. Thank you so much. Each week we go out with Darren's weird indie music references and the song by the artist. So this week our artist is Jenna Berry. Uh, Jenna hails from the coastal haven of Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia. Ever been there, Rob? Uh, I've been to Nova Scotia. I don't think I've been to Mahone Bay. I have no idea where that is. Apparently, it's the home of Jenna Berry. Uh, Jenna Berry is one of Atlantic Canada's surest sirens. She's a powerful singer-songwriter. She released her single in 2018 entitled Roller Disco. This comes off her 2012 debut album. The song Roller Disco, described by Berry, is about a feeling of your own sadness for someone or being blue for so long that you almost start liking the feeling from her 2018 EP and single Roller Disco. Here's Jenna Berry. At the end of a hot July, lay down the evening sun in the heart of a mainland on the wrong side of I can tell, I can hear your thoughts